This is Claire Diaz-Ortiz, author of Social Media Success for Every Brand, The Five Pillars That Turn Posts into Profits, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which was named by Forbes as one of 11 smart podcasts that will keep you in the know, and named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help us both keep up with the latest ideas in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or some other helpful resource that I know of for whatever situation you find yourself in, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction and save you time. This show is a labor of love that I do in my spare time. My day job is running a marketing agency where we work with manufacturers to help them grow. If that sounds like your company and you're serious about growth, check out our guide to lead generation for manufacturers on our website, salesartillery.com, or Google lead generation for manufacturers, and you'll find the guide atop the organic results. Now, the number one worry I hear from listeners is that they feel they aren't reading enough books to be more successful. So, special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Blinkist, which is an app that takes the key insights from the best nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just a few minutes on your smartphone. Several of the books featured on the Marketing Book Podcast are on Blinkist. You can sign up for free at Blinkist.com slash podcast. Blinkist is spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. And if you opt for the paid version, you'll get an additional 20% off, but only if you go to Blinkist.com slash marketingbookpodcast. I also have a link to it at marketingbookpodcast.com. And now, on with the show. Today, we welcome Claire Diaz-Ortiz to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about her newest book, Social Media Success for Every Brand, The Five Pillars That Turn Posts into Profits, published by HarperCollins. Claire Diaz-Ortiz is an author, speaker, advisor, and startup investor who has been named one of the 100 most creative people in business by Fast Company. Claire was an early employee at Twitter, where she was hired to lead corporate social innovation. And that also explains why her Twitter handle is Claire, like Jack Darcy's handle is Jack. In Claire's work, she has been called everything from the woman who got the Pope on Twitter and Twitter's pontiff recruitment chief to a force for good and one of the most generous people in social media. As CNN said in 2017, if Twitter has a soul, it probably looks something like Claire Diaz-Ortiz. Claire is the award-winning author of eight other books that have been translated into more than 10 languages, including One Minute Mentoring, How to Find and Work with a Mentor, and How You'll Benefit from Being One with Ken Blanchard, Twitter for Good, Change the World One Tweet at a Time, Design Your Day, Be More Productive, Set Better Goals, and Live Life on Purpose, and Hope Runs, An American Tourist, A Kenyan Boy, A Journey of Redemption. She's a frequent international speaker on business and social innovation, has been invited to deliver keynotes and trainings at organizations like the U.S. State Department, Toyota, South by Southwest, TEDx, and many others. And she writes a column at Inc. Magazine online and is a LinkedIn influencer, one of a select group of 
several hundred global leaders chosen to provide original content on the LinkedIn platform. Claire holds an MBA from Oxford University and has a BA and a master's from Stanford University. She's the co-founder of Hope Runs, a nonprofit organization operating in AIDS orphanages in Kenya, and she's appeared widely in major television and print news sources such as CNN, BBC, Time, Newsweek, The New York Times, Good Morning America, The Today Show, The Washington Post, Fortune Forbes, Fast Company, and many, many others. And interesting fact, she lives in and joins us today from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Claire, congratulations on social media success for every brand, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I did not realize that bio was that long. <laughs> well, Gosh. well, I, it, it is long, uh, a little bit longer than some, but that's oh no, <laughs> that's why I know I, I wanted to read all of it because that explains why I have already nominated you uh, for when Dos Equis comes out with their campaign, the most interesting woman in the world. It, it's uh-huh. going to be Claire Diaz Ortiz. <laughs> Oh, lovely. Lovely. I, I cannot wait. <laughs> well, there you go. And also, uh, long-time listeners to the Marketing Book Podcast will know there's sort of a running joke or commentary about people who have Stanford degrees. There are more authors on the Marketing Book Podcast with Stanford degrees by a wide margin than from any other school, which makes people wonder, to get a degree at Stanford, do you have to agree to write a marketing or sales book? That is an interesting question. I think the one thing you do have to agree to do if you go to Stanford is to have a nice time looking at really expensive palm trees because supposedly each of those palm trees cost $50,000 to fly in from some other place. Oh, really? Well, your tuition hard at work. So (laughs) talk about your involvement and what what you did do with uh, Pope Benedict as it related to Twitter. Sure. So I was at Twitter for a number of years. I joined when it was a small company. And one of the things I was really tasked with in the beginning was helping find ways for power users to use Twitter in proactively positive ways. So essentially working with large nonprofits and social organizations who wanted to use Twitter for good is what we like to say. And at some point in this journey, some of the data researchers at Twitter started looking into, okay, what tweets are really being successful on the platform and what's really getting bang for their buck. And they found that religious tweets actually were doing really, really well. And so what we decided at the time as a company was that, okay, how can we put more emphasis into cultivating this type of content, encouraging this type of content, considering it is already getting such incredible engagement. So that's when I started working with a lot of religious accounts, religious power users, and one of them being Pope Benedict. So I spent about a year working with the Vatican to get Pope Benedict and then later Pope Francis on the platform. Terrific. Now, you, you did that all from the Twitter headquarters, or did you have to go to the Vatican? I was, I was definitely uh, out in Rome a lot that year. There's the picture of, you know, we had sort of a televised event when he actually sent his first tweet, and I'm standing right next to him in the ponytail, in my ponytail, I should say. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I was definitely out there, and it was an incredible experience working with that organization. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people kind of don't give the Vatican the credit it deserved, at at least in that project, for being really forward-thinking and really innovative and really fast-moving. Oh, terrific. Well, that's a seems like a whole other book uh, <laughs> right there. <laughs> Perhaps. So. Perhaps, yeah. So, when I got this book from your publicist, uh, I guess you could say you had me at StoryBrand. I didn't even need oh. to open the book <laughs> because I saw that it's a 
you know, it was a story brand guide, and I wasn't familiar with that, but I am a big fan of Donald Miller's book, Building a Story Brand. Everybody here in the office has read it, and uh, as a matter of fact, a couple years ago, I started receiving copies of it from his publisher and his, his publicists, but I think he's become so busy, as I understand it, he's he's not even doing uh, many podcast interviews, and of course, he has his own terrific podcast, but have there been other story brand books no, so this is the the first and the only for now. You know, Don and I have been friends for about a decade, and I had when I left Twitter, I began sort of advising startups. And one of the things I was doing was always using the story brand model when I was giving them marketing advice or doing marketing work with startups. And so when he came out with the bit the book, building a story brand a few years ago, I said, you know, this is amazing, but I think there's just this one problem. And I think the problem is that the book really doesn't give a, the kind of much needed plug and play approach for what you do with your story brand marketing strategy in terms of social media. And mm-hmm. so that's when I said to him, Hey, you know, I think I've, I've got an idea of how we could make this work, how we, how we could apply the story brand framework to social media. And so that's really what the book is. You know, if you, if you pick up social media success for every brand, you'll see that the whole first chapter is really a review of how to use the overarching story brand process, because that's really the first step in this social media marketing model that I present. Right. So I think that we should probably clarify, people don't have to have read Building a Story Brand before reading this. Absolutely not. So if, if you've never read Building a Story Brand, if you've never heard of Story Brand, you can pick up this book and you'll get you know a good solid 25 pages that gives you an overview and that also points you to some more downloads and that kind of thing so that you can understand the overarching marketing framework, which is story brand, which is, which is really just this, you know, simple marketing idea that you need to clarify your marketing message as succinctly as possible. And that's pretty much the most important thing you can do when it comes to marketing. Yes, yes. Now, let me just quote from, uh, he has a terrific uh, forward to the book. It's very funny. And I mean, he's a fantastic writer, obviously, so he does not disappoint. He says, I'm an introvert, but not by choice. Back before social media, you had to show up at places in order to network. And I hated showing up at places. I never knew what to say. I had a friend who said to make more eye contact, so I did. I just stare into people's eyes without speaking. I'm lucky I never ended up with a restraining order against me. Later, another friend gave me a few questions to ask that always got the ball rolling. What's the next big thing you're looking forward to? Or what's one thing about your current job that still surprises you? Questions like that. Once I went to social events with a little plan, things got easier. I started to succeed a little bit. Then I discovered I wasn't so introverted. I just lacked a plan. Similarly, in this book, Claire gives us a plan. So, Claire, before we go on, I, I just want to say, uh, or have you disabuse folks, anyone who might be listening who perhaps thinks the moon landing was a hoax and that the internet and social media are fads, who are thinking, I don't know, this is just for the kids. What do you say to those folks that are sitting there in your keynotes, maybe with their arms crossed thinking, I don't know, maybe later? Well, here's the thing. Social media is here and it's here to stay. And more importantly, social media is any business's most ubiquitous and least expensive way to market anything. So pretty much if you have a business and you are trying to sell anything 
and you are in some way doing online marketing, which I would say 99.9% of businesses these days are doing, Mm -hmm. then you really need some kind of social media presence. And, you know, this book and my strategy is not going to make you sign up for 29 billion platforms and spend your whole life on social media, but it will tell you how to make social media on at least one platform work for you to actually drive sales for your business. Right. It's a great book on just Go, here's how to get started. And these are the most important things to think about. So Mark Cuban is the uh, billionaire owner of the Dallas Mavericks basketball team. Claire Diaz-Ortiz, explain why Mark Cuban won't make a brand go viral. <laughs> okay. So one of the big reasons I felt like I just kind of had to write this book happened from the many or was born out of the many years of advising work I've been doing with startups since I since I left Twitter. And, you know, the story I'm about to tell you is honestly a version of a story that I feel like has happened to me a dozen times with different startups I've advised. So a few years ago, I was I was working with this startup and they had gone through a challenging first couple years. They had had a launch for an exciting product, but the launch had not gone well and they just weren't getting the sales they wanted. And they basically brought me on to kind of redo their marketing strategy, right? Relaunch the product, redo their marketing strategy. And so I spent a couple months on a very in-depth strategic plan for them, right? And I, I presented this plan to them. I, I sent it, you know, via email, and I and I told everyone to read the fifty-some pages, and then we were going to sit down and have our big meeting to discuss the strategy. And you know, as we're all there in the meeting, sitting down to talking about it, I can I can tell that you know, maybe, maybe not everyone in the room has, has read the whole thing, right? There are a couple comments like, well, you know, let's, let's work on, you know, the, the thing you discuss on page 17 next quarter, or, you know, may, maybe we'll think about that next year, you know, things like this. And then eventually the, the meeting gets around to one of the founders and it's clear that he's kind of sitting up in his chair about to make his big point. And, you know, he just says, Claire, I think this whole strategy is great, but I just really think if you could just get Mark Cuban to tweet about us, then we would go viral and then it would be, you know, amazing. And this idea, as I say, is something I've heard from startups year after year, this idea that all you need on social media and all social media is good for is, is making a brand go viral. And then as soon as that happens, there's nothing more to worry about because, you know, the gold will rain down from the sky and all the people in all the places will buy all your products. And the reality and, and, you know, the reason I start the book with this story is that first of all, going viral almost never works. And second of all, going viral is, about 99% unpredictable. So it's a completely useless, quote unquote, strategy for most brands to try and engage in. And unfortunately, it's what a lot of brands are actually trying to do these days when they think about social media. So, you know, the beginning of, of this book is basically a story to say, you know, this is why it doesn't work. And as, as you might be able to guess at this point, that startup no longer exists. You know, they, they had a big, a big hashtag fail. And I think a lot of it has to do with misunderstanding the use of social media and their marketing strategy. So this desire to go viral, would you say that's the what everyone seems to get wrong about social media? Yes. And I mean, the desire to go viral is ultimately founded in this sort of more 
general misunderstanding, which is the great misunderstanding between brand marketing and direct marketing. So, you know, quick definitions, direct marketing is essentially marketing that leads to a sale. You could call it direct sales marketing if you wanted to. So it's, I, I send out some type of marketing message and you buy a product as a result. In contrast, brand marketing is, is marketing that is in favor of basically building your brand or building a community or building engagement around your brand, right? And the big thing that people misunderstand about social media is that social media almost all of the time is brand marketing. It's not direct marketing. And so what you do is you see a lot of brands that come onto social media for the first time and they just think of social media as, as a place to, you know, write billboards in really tiny font essentially. And so they send out these push marketing messages all day and they are surprised that, that people don't just click and buy. And the reality is that social media is about brand marketing. It's about building a brand. And as, as I explain in this book, taking people up what's called an engagement ladder so that eventually they go from becoming a follower who is part of the community to becoming someone who actually purchases your product. But misunderstanding that is probably the fundamental misunderstanding of social media marketing. Mm. So, Say a bit more about what this engagement ladder is. And for the listener's benefit, she explains that there's three keys to understanding social media marketing, brand marketing, direct marketing, and the engagement ladder. So explain the engagement ladder a bit more and then how brand marketing and direct marketing work together. I think you even have a like a, some, uh, an 80-20 rule. I do. I do. So, you know, let's think about it like this. Social media in many ways is like a cocktail party. Now, when you go to a cocktail party, your quote unquote goal of the cocktail party is, is to go in, have a good time, maybe connect with someone over some of the onion dip, and maybe exchange contact information to follow up later if there's a mutual fit there, right? In, in contrast, the quote unquote goal of a cocktail party is not to rush in and immediately go up to, you know, your ex-boyfriend's husband's mother's roommate and try to sell her something, right? Mm -hmm. That typically isn't going to make you a, a very popular guest at the cocktail party, right? So if social media is like a cocktail party, then that really means that on social media, your goal is to just stand out in a positive way and potentially create a connection that leads to some engagement. And when you start to create that sort of low level engagement, that's when you are getting someone to step onto the first rung of what I call your engagement ladder. And then over time, you're going to bring them up that ladder. So for example, the bottom rung of that ladder might be someone following you on social media. The next step might be someone engaging with you. The next step might be that person clicking on a link to your website that you share in a tweet or Facebook post. The next step might be joining your email newsletter. The next step might be making a first purchase, right? And now we're at the very, very top of that ladder. And at the very top of that ladder, where you're really closing that sale and you're making the first purchase, you know, the next step might be things like becoming a regular customer or, or sharing the product with friends and family, right? So that's kind of the concept of the engagement ladder. And you as a brand on social media, you're trying to stand out at that cocktail party, get someone on that engagement ladder, and then bring them up the ladder. And so one of the ways I share that it's important to do that on social media is by making sure that you're always giving more value than you're taking, 
right? So Mm -hmm. that's where that idea of this 80-20 rule comes in. 80% of the time, the way you get people to go up your engagement ladder is by providing them with valuable content, right? So interesting information in your niche, not necessarily things that, you know, point back to your website, not necessarily things that are about you, but things that are about things you believe your followers and potential customers are going to care about. And so 80% of the time you're providing that value. And then 20% of the time you're trying to get someone to, to take, to um, engage in a call to action, right? So, so stepping up one of those rungs on that engagement ladder. So maybe it's clicking on the link to your website, or maybe it's opening your sales newsletter, or maybe it's really making your first purchase. So that's really the idea in, in kind of a whole is, you know, getting someone interested in you in that kind of cocktail party of a social media environment, and then using the 80-20 rule to provide them with valuable content and 20% of the time call them to action to get them to move up that engagement ladder. And ultimately, that's how you get people from people who are following you on social media to people who are actually purchasing from you on social media. And people that do that wrong bring to mind an expression that I've heard Gary Vaynerchuk talk about, which is the 19-year-old mm-hmm. dude move where he's talking about a 19-year-old dude that thinks he's going to get some serious romantic action on a first date <laughs> instead of... I haven't heard this. <laughs> there's a video of it, and I'll include it in your show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com, where somebody is, he's giving a keynote, and a guy stands up and says, hey, I make this hot sauce, and I was wondering if maybe you could tweet about it to your 900,000 followers, just like mm. you're talking about Mark Cuban. And then Gary Vaynerchuk goes goes ahead and says, "Well, I like your hustle, but you're doing the 19 year old dude move. <laughs> mm. You've got to, you know, maybe go on a few dates first before you try to uh, go to uh, greater engagement." So absolutely, yeah. Now, Claire, I want to talk about share, and I'm not talking about the American singer, actress, and television personality, common referred to <laughs> by the media as the well, the goddess of pop. I want to talk about your share model, which forms very much uh, one of the backbones of your book. And it's story, how, audience, reach, and excellence. I was wondering if we could walk through this and if we could start with a real brief explanation for somebody who's not familiar with the story brand script idea. That's the, the story, the S in share. Sure. So essentially what the, the share model is a five-step way to, to see excellence in social media marketing on your social media platform of choice. And we'll get into what the of choice means in one of these steps. But the first step in this model is really story. And the idea here is that you're going to use what's called your story brand brand script on social media to, to open up the story gap to move your followers up that engagement ladder we talked about and to ultimately close that story gap when you call them to action. So let me give you a little bit of content of what this is. So in the book, you're going to learn about how to create your story brand brand script. But the easiest way to explain it is to basically say that your story brand brand script is a clear way for you to understand what your business's message really is to your customer. And one of the keys in that is making sure that your business's message is 
fulfilling the desire, spoken or unspoken, of your customers. So you want to figure out what their real problem is and figure out how you can help them. And so in your story brand brand script, you're going to do that in in a basically one sentence or, or one phrase, one liner that you'll have. And then the idea, you know, is to open up that story gap. So bring people into your story by providing interesting content and then move that up that engagement ladder and then call them to action by, by closing that story gap. So the first step in this share model is, is all about stories. So it's all about understanding what your real story is and then starting to implement it via the content that you share on social media. So that's S. Now for H, which is how, we're going to talk about really the practical logistics of how to post your content. And the most important thing to remember in this step is something I mentioned earlier, which is that, you know, my book and my strategy is not about making you sign up for 29 million social media platforms. It's all about making you and your brand figure out what is the best social media platform for you and then doubling down on that one platform. So at the back of the book, I have what's called the social media evaluation. And it's basically an evaluation you take to figure out which platform should be your priority platform. And, you know, different brands are going to find different platforms useful for them. And this is another big myth about social media. You know, sometimes you'll you'll talk to, let's say, an executive coach and she'll say, hey, you know, I'm on Facebook and I'm just not seeing results. I guess that means social media doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the first things I would say to this potential executive coach is, hey, Facebook is probably not the place for you. So you really want to take the social media evaluation and figure out what your priority platform is. In this step, you're also going to be figuring out your, your social media editorial calendar and your social media schedule because these are important parts of making sure that you post in a regular way, um, but also in a planned way, right? So a way that can allow you to see the success you want without pulling your hair out and without spending too much time on these platforms because that's absolutely not my goal for you. We're going to take a break here so I can tell you more about how Blinkist might be the answer to one of your biggest worries. As I mentioned earlier, the number one worry I hear from listeners is that they feel they aren't reading enough books to keep up and be more successful, but there's only so much time and you need to manage it carefully. And unless you're, say, the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, you may not be set up to read a book every week. That's where Blinkist can really be a time saver and a career booster. Blinkist is a smartphone app that takes the key insights from over 3,000 best-selling nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes or less. Instead of having to wade through hundreds of pages of a book, spending hours reading each book like I do every week, you can go through two books in 30 minutes. And the books that are on Blinkist are from top-notch authors, many of whom have been guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, including Seth Godin, Guy Kawasaki, Robert Cialdini, Philip Kotler, David Merriman Scott, Ann Hanley, Bob Berg, John Jantz, Jonah Berger, Jill Conrath, Jeb Blunt, and many, many more. Over 40 authors who have been on the show. Blinkist has been selected as one of the best apps by Forbes, the New York Times, and BuzzFeed, amongst others, and it's used by over 10 million people. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for Marketing Book Podcast listeners. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast right now, today, to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan when you join. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, 
Blinkist.com slash marketing book podcast to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. And there's no risk because there's a free seven day trial. Go to Blinkist.com slash marketing book podcast. And that means you're going to be letting them know that you support the marketing book podcast and that you want that discount. You'll get the free version or 20% off your annual plan. I also have a link to it at marketingbookpodcast.com. It's a very smart investment in your success. And now, Back to the show. One thing about the how, the, the H, uh, you talk about consistency, and that seems to be such an underrated thing. What Talk about the importance of, of consistency, at least as it relates to social media. Sure. So, you know, one of the things that matters most when it comes to social media is essentially being a, a regular participant and building real relationships on the platforms. And, you know, as soon as I say that, some people start freaking out because they say, hey, I don't want to spend my life on social media. And I immediately say, neither do I. That's why I want you to focus on one platform. Mm-hmm. Because the reality of a lot of what we see with brands these days is they sign up for, you know, all the four major social media platforms and then maybe 10 of the smaller platforms. And they all they do is push out content, but they don't actually engage or see any of the responses to the content on any of the platforms because they are spread so thin. And the reality is that social media marketing is, you know, way, way, way more dependent on engagement and on engagement with current followers than it is on getting new followers. And so if you remember that, then you realize that, hey, Focusing on one platform and making sure that I'm actually responding to the people who are responding to me and making sure that I'm prioritizing engagement over everything else is really going to be my my ticket to kind of win. So that's, again, why spending some amount of time and having a regular presence is really important. Mm-hmm. So as it relates to audience, you underscore the importance that social media is not about you. It's about your audience. And that seems rather obvious, but is is that really a bigger problem for, for companies than maybe I realize? I think it's a huge problem for companies. So this is the third step in the share model is audience. And, you know, the idea is your social media marketing should be about your audience, not your brand. And this idea completely comes from story brand. Mm-hmm. This is the story brand marketing theory is essentially that your brand is not the hero, your customer is. And this is a huge problem we see in general marketing and perhaps even more so on social media where you just see brands positioning themselves as heroes. In reality, you know, your customer is the hero and you want to make sure that your customer feels that in all your marketing messaging. Mm-hmm. So I think the most important word in marketing and sales, or at least the most important concept is empathy. And I was delighted when I saw that uh, touched on in the book. But you also talk about why, and I guess this is related to social media, why empathy seems to be dropping uh, or there are the lower levels in uh, younger generations. And I wonder if you could talk about that. It's, it's related to the passive use of social media versus the engaged use of it. And it seemed like a really important lesson. Right. So a number, you know, I'm really interested in kind of some of the new research coming out about many of the problems that are associated with digital media today, right? And as an early employee at one of these at one of these social media networks, it's important to me to kind of look at what is happening and to look at maybe some of the mistakes we made in in promoting and in creating these platforms early on. So one of the studies that I mentioned in this book is the idea that 
you know, there is new information coming out that particularly adolescents are sometimes negatively affected by social media. And one of the big reasons for that, it turns out, is because of the passive use of social media. So the classic example that many of us have experienced is maybe you're kind of having a bummed out moment in your day, or maybe just a bored moment in your day. So you pick up your phone, you start scrolling through through Instagram, and you immediately see something that is really amazing that someone else is doing that you are definitely not doing in this bummed out or bored moment, right? Mm -hmm. And you feel that sense of comparing and despairing. And that kind of sense, you know, for us adults is, is bad, but it's even worse for, you know, a 15, 16 year old whose brain has not fully developed, right? So there are lots of real problems with social media today. One of the interesting studies, though, shows that it's actually the passive use that is the problem and it's less the engaged use, right? So if you see people engaging with people they know on social media or people they meet and they are creating these engaged conversations, you don't see that same negative effect essentially, hmm. which is a really interesting idea for us as brands to think about because then that makes us think, okay, so, so how can we generate that empathy? How can we generate that engagement so that we make our our customers who, who are really our heroes feel better about us. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I would say there are three kind of key ways to do that three kind of key ways to generate that engagement. One of them would be to, you know, tell a great story, which, you know, is something we've touched on. We want you to make sure you understand your brand story and tell it in a clear story brand way. Number two is of course, to help someone on social media. So this is, you know, seeing someone who has a problem, and reaching out and providing support for many brands, you know, the, the easiest way to do this is to actually open up their social media feeds and see the people, see the people writing into them about customer service queries, right. right? You'd be amazed how many times I have sort of like tweeted into the ether to a customer service account that no one is monitoring, right? Yeah. And it's exciting when they do respond. It is. And, and don't you feel good? And don't you feel heard? And don't you feel that there there is a sense of empathy between you and the person on the other side of that computer screen? Because yeah. I do when it happens. And it's not just complaining. Sometimes I'll be really delighted with something or a yep. great product or service. And I just, uh, I do that and they respond back. And I just think, wow, that's that's really something. I love it. I love it. I remember once years ago, I tweeted out some article, or I tweeted out some link to an article about, you know, something like the top 10 countries in the world that are the most fun to visit. And I made some comment in the article that I was tweeting out about how, wow, the top three on this, or, you know, number three on this list is my favorite country, right? Just kind of a, a not, I wouldn't say a throwaway tweet, but certainly not a tweet I spent a lot of time thinking about. And I got a response back from the, you know, tourism board of South Africa, because that's who I'd been talking about. And that kind of thing is just amazing, right? Yeah. And when you see that in brands, it's really, really fun as a follower. Um, and you know that, you know, if you if you see that from a brand, you're probably even more likely to become an eventual, you know, purchaser and customer. Yeah. So kind of that third way to generate empathy and engagement is also to ask questions. And this is probably one of my favorite tips, I would say, in terms of social media and something that a lot of brands, you know, whether you're a large multinational or you're an individual personal brand can really benefit from is by asking more questions that really helps generate engagement. 
Terrific. Well, let's move on to reach. And you say that the number one question you get about social media is, how can we get more followers? Why, yeah. why do you argue that is actually the wrong question? I argue this is the wrong question because I say that it doesn't matter how many times these social media platforms change their crazy, annoying algorithms. One thing will always be true, and that is from an economic perspective, these social media companies are always going to favor accounts with more engagement, right? So they're always going to give more visibility to accounts that have a lot of engagement on them because, of course, they want to encourage eyeballs. And so what you can do to benefit from this is you can make sure that you also are prioritizing engagement and you're not trying to chase new followers who may or may not care about you. And instead, you're trying to really double down on those followers who you know already really do care about you. And this is so important. You know, I, I had an example of this just last night where I, I sent out a tweet. I was returning yesterday on a flight from, I was up in Finland at a conference, right? So Finland to Argentina, ridiculous flight, obviously. You're going from one end of the world to the other. And I was in the airport lounge on my on my layover in, um, in London. And I picked up two pieces of cake from the, like they had some food, right? I got two pieces of cake and it was gluten-free cake and I'm gluten-free. And I was like, Oh, this is so exciting. I got two pieces of cake. A guy in the lounge sitting next to me commented on this sort of like massive amount of cake I had gotten and was like, you're going to eat all of that. And it was a very, you know, shameful negative comment. I was super annoyed by it. He said that to you or on social media? No, he said it to me, to my face. And so nice. I took a picture of the cake. I put it on Twitter, right? Now, it was so interesting to watch how kind of semi-viral that tweet went simply because people started engaging quickly, right? Because this is the type of thing when you tweet, you know, a woman tweets out two pieces of cake that a guy is mad at her for eating, people are going to get kind of riled up about it. And so the tweet started to get a lot of comments really quickly. And so you can just sort of see it was a tiny mini example and it didn't really go viral, but you know, the tweet did well, I should say. And it was a perfect example of how it was because people started engaging really soon and really quickly. And the people who engaged, you know, the first 10 people who commented were all people that have followed me for a long time and that regularly engage and that I regularly write back and forth with. But they were the people that kind of set it going. And I, I just felt like, wow, this is a perfect example of how you get content to do well on social media, right? These are people that I have engaged with and interacted with for years. They see a good tweet, an interesting tweet. They start engaging. And then all of a sudden, my tweets start showing up in all these timelines of people I do not know, right? And that really is your goal on social media as a brand. <laughs> right. So it's more about engagement than the number of new followers. And I don't want you thinking I didn't listen to your answer to these questions, Claire, but okay, great. So how do you get new followers? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there are three ways you can get new followers. One of the ways is to create great content, right? The, the second way is to use influencer marketing. So that's really going after and developing relationships with powerful people in social media in your given niche. And then the third way is, is actually kind of throw, throw away. The third way is to pay for advertising to boost either of those two strategies. But it works. It does work. Advertising will work. I, I believe that advertising works best these days on Facebook, um, but some people will debate that. But advertising will work, but only if you're already using one of those other two strategies. You know, the easiest way to waste a lot of 
social media marketing dollars is to pour a bunch of money into a tweet that has no current engagement and that is not a good tweet. Yes. So let's move on to the last one, excellence. Can you talk about excellence? And uh, also, can you talk about sucking at social media? (laughs) So the last step in the share model is really all about fine-tuning your social media marketing efforts so you can reach long-term excellence. And I really believe this is about staying on your toes in social media and realizing that at the end of the day, social media is a real-time platform, even though as a brand, you may be scheduling things in advance. And even though as a brand, you may have an editorial calendar and a social media schedule, as I recommend, these are real-time platforms and you need to stay on your toes when things go well and when things go poorly. And so my favorite story, one of my favorite stories of all Twitter time is one I tell in in the book in this section. And it's about a story, it's about five years old now, of when an employee, the, so, the then social media marketing manager at the Red Cross tweeted out to the you know half a million Red Cross followers something about being drunk. She called it hashtag slizzard on the main Red Cross account. And it was just the classic nightmare of the type of tweet you would not want to send out as a brand, right? The last thing you want to think is that the American, the, the storied American Red Cross is, is drinking on the job, right? It was this terrible tweet. It immediately provoked a bunch of kind of blog articles saying, oh no, how is the Red Cross going to claw its way back from this? But the way the Red Cross handled it was wonderful. And they handled it with humor and grace and speed and ultimately turned around a really negative situation into something that actually drove donations. And so it's kind of one of my favorite social media PR fail stories. And there are many, many, many bad stories out there. And I share a few of them in the book. But but this is a really positive story. And at the end of the day, it's about authenticity and transparency, which, which is, is, are two things that, you know, brands need more of on social media. More than ever. Yeah. I, since I happen to have the book open here, the original tweet from Red Cross said, (laughs) Ryan found two more four bottle packs of dogfish heads, Midas touch beer, dot, dot, dot. When we drink, we do it right. Hashtag getting slizzard. But you said, you know, using real time, Red Cross was agile. They sent the following tweet. We deleted the rogue tweet, but rest assured the Red Cross is sober and we've confiscated the keys. <laughs> but what was even, just to add to that, as part of this blowing up, was that Dogfish Beer then got involved, encouraging mm-hmm. everyone to donate to the Red Cross. So mm-hmm. it was a really mm-hmm. happy ending. No, it's, it's this amazingly ridiculous, perfect social media storm that... It worked out really, really well in the end. But I think it kind of shows that on social media, you can come back from a lot of things. But the way to do it is with transparency and authenticity. And most of the social media fails out there are about people doing the exact opposite, right? Tweeting something terrible and immediately deleting their account or immediately saying they were hacked when they weren't or something (laughs) like that, right? Right, right. Hey, you mentioned... Facebook being so great for uh, advertising, and you do talk in the book about how it it works well with paid traffic. Talk about the uh, why Facebook is such a great place for advertising, and I I ask that in part because I get the sense that a lot of 
brands still think of Facebook as this sort of free platform to extend their reach. And you said in the book that even Zuckerberg, the founder, had said, look, we're ultimately going to have zero reach with Facebook. Right. I think at the end of the day, what we're seeing with Facebook and the reason why it is self-reportedly by many brands as being way more effective in terms of promoted promoted content than other platforms is simply because it's more advanced. So it was just able to develop a stronger product earlier on. I think the other platforms will probably get to that place. But for now, from you know all the brands I talked to for this book and from my personal experience, I think Facebook advertising is just a cut above the rest in terms of what it can do, but and also in terms of the analytics it provides and just the reach you have when doing it. And again, I think that's kind of perhaps comes out of necessity as, you know, as I mentioned, I mentioned one of the the quotes that Zuckerberg had in the last year talking about how a lot of content for brands, pretty much all of it is going to go in the direction of, of going towards, you know, only promoted content being what is shown. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, they've perhaps made a stronger product at this point. Yeah, that's terrific. I was trying to explain this to somebody the other day, and I said, well, you know, it's sort of like everybody can bring their TV commercial over to Channel 3, and they're mm-hmm. ha- they're happy to take it at the desk there. But if you want them to air it, you actually have to pay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's a model that I think is, uh, or a, a metaphor that I think helps people start to understand that. I just, a lot of them still seem to be thinking that social media is, is somehow um, free. In, in our remaining time, I, I did want to ask about LinkedIn. And you talk mm-hmm. about how LinkedIn now offers an important avenue for social media marketing beyond the primary purpose of networking and, and recruiting. Could you talk about that? Sure. So I would say, you know, you'll learn some of this when you get my book and take the social media evaluation in terms of what platforms are good for what types of businesses and what types of people. But, you know, LinkedIn and Twitter historically are the two that are much better for one-on-one connections, for connecting with someone individually, and then hopefully building a business relationship and then, you know, having that result in, in something good for both sides, right? That being said, LinkedIn is now very much in the content space. LinkedIn now offers businesses and individuals the ability to publish long-form posts on their platform, right? And they're giving lots of eyeballs to those posts. And like the other platforms, they are admittedly favoring engagement on posts. So they're favoring comments and engagement in terms of what posts get the most eyeballs. But I think what this indicates and kind of what this shows to businesses is that these days, you know, anything you do to create that one-on-one potential connection, you know, whether it's in recruiting or sales or just general networking can be really enhanced by becoming a content creator yourself. And so I think what LinkedIn is doing is really great because I think many people, many brands, I should say, up until this point have shied away from long-form content simply because it seemed too hard to create. Like, what, now I have to start a new website or I have to start a new blog, that kind of thing. And so LinkedIn is basically allowing you to do it on the LinkedIn platform and allowing you to become basically a, you know, a thought leader as an individual brand or as a large brand by creating long-form content and using that as the you know, jumping off point for creating the one-on-one connections. Right. But what would you then say to the people who are arguing, well, that is good and it does generate uh, engagement on LinkedIn, but you don't want to build your house on rented land. Should they have 
maybe this content on their website and then publish it on, on LinkedIn or? Yeah. So that's what I recommend. I recommend that people syndicate. So, you know, an easy way to do it would be if you have your own site. I mean, I think LinkedIn and, and Medium, I would say also are good for folks who don't want to invest in having their own sites or having their own blogs. Most of the brands reading this book in some way will have their own websites. And so adding a, a blog function to that website may not be as much of a challenge. But you know, what I would recommend if someone were to come to me is to say, yes, have your content on your own website, build your own email newsletter but syndicate that content out to in long form to LinkedIn and to medium, and then potentially to, you know, other sort of like sign up other venues that you have to sign up for things like thrive or, you know, psychology today, these types of things as well. Yes. Great, great advice. And as it relates to LinkedIn, you were very candid about your own evolution on LinkedIn. And you mentioned that uh, you originally made your profile too much about you. How, How can people have a better profile on LinkedIn? Yeah, so I think it's really a challenge with LinkedIn because, of course, when you think about LinkedIn, the major purpose of it is recruiting and recruiting and networking, right? So it's easy to make your profile just completely about you and have it be focused on that. I think the the big thing I've learned is just to kind of take a cue from StoryBrand and try to think, okay, what am I focused on perhaps this year, maybe this decade, but maybe this year, because many of us sort of change, change directions in our business from time to time. And how can that be of help to someone who is looking at my profile? So that's kind of the way I think about it. And I think you can do that in terms of creating your LinkedIn profile itself, but also in terms of the content that you're sharing, whether in uh, long form posting or in the, you know, the content updates you share. Mm-hmm. I've had some books on the show where the uh, sales books primarily, but the authors have talked about how too many people are optimizing their LinkedIn profile for recruiters rather than the problems they solve. Mm, that's perfect. Exactly. That's the exact same idea, right? So Claire, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? If readers took away only one thing from this book, I would hope it be that they understand that that they come to understand that social media is more about brand marketing and building your brand with the eventual goal of direct marketing or selling something, but that your measure of success should really be the extent to which you are building a community around your brand and building an understanding of what your brand is and what they do. Yes. And when you talked about, uh, or like when I talked about the 19-year-old dude move, or you talked about these people that are just very uh, focused on direct marketing, buy my stuff, it brought to mind a, and I'm sorry, American pop culture reference I'm about to mention here, but I was watching a rerun of the show, The Office, the US version of The Office. (laughs) And the whole office, they all go to the baptism of Jim and Pam's child. And Dwight Schrute, who is one of the salespeople, he's there, like in the receiving line, handing out his business card, offering people <laughs> a four and a half discount on paper. And it was just such a great example of the things in your book that are just so painful. And it makes me wonder if the people doing that sort of thing on social media would watch that particular episode of The Office and not understand what the problem is. I am in love with that story. I never saw that episode, and that is amazing. Wow. That is so, that is classic. That is perfect, right? Perfect. Yes, painful. Oh, maybe you can, uh, maybe you can show it in one of your uh, keynotes. 
Oh, that is so good. Oh, that's an amazing story. Wow, that's really good. Well, if I can find that clip, I'll put it on yeah. your show notes at Marketing Book Podcast. I mean, that would be, oh my gosh, I need to find that clip and use it in keynotes because that is, that, I mean, that's amazing. That's exactly what I'm talking about, right? At a baptism, four and a half percent. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was painful, but it was also like watching a, a car wreck. Uh, where people are rubbernecking and thinking, oh, gosh, oh, gee. So what is just one thing a listener could do today to put in action sure. one idea from your book? One idea, create engagement on social media by asking a question. It's a really easy thing for you as a large brand or an individual personal brand to do today. Just pick your favorite platform where you think you have the most engagement now, because I know you haven't done the evaluation yet to figure it out. But just pick your favorite platform where you think you have the most engagement and ask a question. Yeah, that's a great idea. I don't see it done that often. And when I read that in there and was reminded of it, I thought, why, why do brands not do that more often? But also, it is such a good idea to, for everyone to take that evaluation. Um, mm-hmm. because I think it helps them to answer questions like, which social media platform should we be on? And, you know, all those sort of things that seem so overwhelming to a lot of, uh, companies that haven't been active or, or don't have any uh, social media profiles. So, Claire, what books have inspired your work and career? Man, so many. So, a few of my favorites. One of my favorite uh, favorites of all time is Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Mm-hmm. It's just an incredible book about trying to winnow down to those essential few things that matter in your life. And it's kind of a challenge that I, I am perpetually on. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it reflects... There's a lot of that idea in your book, though, where you're trying to get people just to focus on the, the most important things. Yes, I thank you for saying that. I still think it's a challenge in my life, but yes, thank you for saying that. <laughs> well, otherwise, it's pretty um, overwhelming, book, you know, all the social media. It is. It is. It's completely overwhelming, and that's why, that's why people don't even start and then lose out as a result, right? Mm-hmm. Another book I I dearly love is by Adam Grant called Give and Take, which I think is just a great book about how to be a giver in business um, and yet also how to not ignore your own needs, right? So that's another book I completely love. And one of my sort of favorite books of all time that has nothing to do with business is called Slowing Down to the Speed of Life. And I think it's about 25 or 30 years old now, and it's an amazing book about living in the present. And it's one of those books that I think about, I would say, almost every day in some capacity. Wow. Yeah. So I knew about those first two, and they've been mentioned on this show over the years. I did not know about that one. But when you say it was 25 years ago, I'm thinking, wow, that must have been a pretty prescient book. Yes. It's an amazing book. I read it for the first time, I think. Probably I read it 20 years ago. And yeah, I have a few copies of it and just love it. Terrific. Well, at marketingbookpodcast.com, we're going to include links to all these books so people can find them to your social media accounts, including your LinkedIn profile. And I hope listeners will uh, connect with you in some way and thank you for joining us on the show. I'm also going to include a link to a link that you have in the book, uh, socialmediamadesimple.com, which is uh, terrific. It's on the story brand platform, but it you know, it's free and, and walks you through a lot of videos and explanation of what is in the book. It's a really a, a great value. 
And for you, dear listener, if you're listening on your smartphone and you subscribe to the Marketing Book Podcast on your favorite podcast app, all these links can be found by going to this episode and clicking on the show notes link. And I should add, if it sounds like I'm recording in a loading dock, I'm not. It's because there is a boom lift outside our building for the last couple days painting the exterior, and all that beeping you're hearing is the, the, the boom lift moving around. The name of the book is Social Media Success for Every Brand, The Five Pillars That Turn Posts Into Profits. The author is Claire Diaz-Ortiz. Claire, thank you very much for joining us on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Do you believe in life after love? And that closes the book on episode 259 of the Marketing Book Podcast. For more, check out this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other helpful resource for whatever situation you find yourself in, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Special thanks to our sponsor Blinkist to support the Marketing Book Podcast and start your free Blinkist trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. Visit Blinkist dot com slash marketing book podcast i also have a link to the special offer at marketingbookpodcast.com and please join us next time as we welcome rohit bargava back to the marketing book podcast for the fifth time to talk about the latest update in his long-running non-obvious trend series non-obvious megatrends how to see what others miss and predict the future thanks again for listening to the marketing book podcast this episode was produced by amanda harrison It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.